I, I really like that uh, Joshua provides context uh, for me before um, the sermons. That's really, that's really helpful when it comes to uh, our scripture today. Now, G- Joshua said that Jesus is universally helping people, reaching out to people, doing things for people that we wouldn't normally expect Jesus to do things for, at least in his time, that is the case. The scripture starts by saying, Jesus crossed the lake again. He went across a boundary again. He went to the other side again. And now he's had this ministry with the Gentiles, as Joshua has mentioned. And so we remember in this context that Jesus was a Jew, and Jesus was working amongst Jews. Jesus was not a Christian. Now, I know that surprises some people, because Jesus couldn't be a Christian if it was created after. Anyway, you get the point. So Jesus was a Jew. Well, if you don't, come see me afterwards. I'll give you a timeline. We can work it out. So Jesus was a Jew and working amongst Jews and healing people and doing these great things amongst other Jews. And and when it says he goes across the lake again, he's coming back to do more work with more Jewish people. See, he was across on the other side of the lake working with the Gentiles. That's us. And the Jewish people, some of them didn't like that. But Jesus was on the other side of the lake, the other side of the tracks, Messing with people and healing people he had no business messing with and healing. So now he comes back. And the first person to run up to him to ask him for help is Jairus. Jairus. We couldn't get it right yesterday, Joshua. I'm just going to, maybe I should call him Jairate because I can't get his name. Jairus, Jairus. I may say it two different ways during the sermon, but you know who I'm talking about. This ruler of the synagogue runs up to him and is like, my daughter is sick, I need you to come and heal her. Please come and do something right now. The ruler of the synagogue, not a priest in the synagogue, but a ruler of the synagogue, the same synagogue that has all the power, the same synagogue that is controlling all the lending, the same synagogue that is controlling all the commerce, the same synagogue that is appointing people to rule over the people. Here is Jairus coming up, running to Jesus saying, I have a problem, I need you to come and help my daughter. Here is the 1% running up to Jesus saying, I have help, I need you to come and help my daughter. Here is somebody out of River Oaks running up to Jesus to come and say, I need help, I need you to come and help my daughter. Here is the atheist running up to Jesus saying, I need help, I need you to come and help my daughter. Sometimes, There's not enough money and there's not enough high fashion that can prevent us from getting to Jesus to say, I need help right now, come and fix it. The challenge in this part is that for some of us right now living in this partisan divide, either in the religion or in politics, we may think that Jesus only needs to answer the call of some people. But Jesus is showing us in this text, no matter if you come to me 
and you need me, and you need a touch from me, and you need healing from me. All of your fine trappings and clothes and money and psychological baggage, that does not matter if you come to me for help. If you cry out to me for support, I am there to heal and to touch. Imagine how much it took for this ruler of the synagogue to go down there and talk to this tree-hugging hippie that's running around fraternizing with all these prostitutes and all these nobodies on the other side of the river or the track or whatever. Here he comes, the ruler with much to say, I need a touch. I need your help. Imagine what that took. And then it says the crowds were gathered. So this was not like he ran out there in private or he called or sent an email or sent a text message saying, I need help. No, he showed up and showed out, probably slanging snot everywhere, talking about, Jesus, I need you to come and touch my daughter. These clothes don't matter. This Versace don't matter. The money in my pocket doesn't matter. I need you. I saw you help them across that river. I need you to come to my house and help me too. And then now here comes, he's on his way. Jesus is on his way to heal Jairus' daughter, Jairus' daughter. I told you I'm going to mess it up and mess it up every time. I was practicing it in the shower, and I couldn't get it right this morning. I looked at it earlier this morning. I've sounded out. I wrote, it's just a word that's not going to work. Gyrate was there, and they're on their way to heal Gyrate's daughter, and here comes this woman with an issue of blood. Now, she's a little bit different from Gyrate. She's different because she has an issue of blood. And if you remember your Levitical law, a woman that has an issue of blood is supposed to be set apart and put in another room for quite a long period of time. That's according to the Levitical law. But here she is in the crowd just like Jairus, trying to get a touch from Jesus. But I bet she wasn't showing her face the way Jairus was. She was probably low to the ground, probably had on a little hood because everybody knew that she needed to not be in that crowd because the law said, don't be here. But yet here she is in hood, sneaking up to get a little touch. Have you ever had to get a little, sneak a little touch or something? Get your mind in the right place. Get your mind in the right place. We, we got cheerings in the building. Get your mind in the right place. Have you ever had to just sneak a touch? Let me, let me help you out. Let me, let me help your mind a bit. Have you ever snuck into the cookie jar and took a cookie out of it while your mama was in the room? You thought you were slick, didn't you? You were like, oh, I got that cookie. She didn't notice. She didn't notice it was missing. Or maybe you got in there real quick and reset them back up so it would look like no cookie was missing out of the cookie jar. So you go and sneak that little, that little piece of cookie and you're just real happy. That's this woman. She was so desperate, so in need. She couldn't even do what Gyrate did. She just decided she was going to take it. She was going to sneak it for herself. She was just going to reach out and touch the hem of her garment, of his garment, so that she could be healed. There are two types of people 
in this text. There are those of us who will boldly go and say, Jesus, I need a touch. Then there are those of us who are hiding under the hood and we are walking around looking good and smelling good and yet on the inside we have been bleeding for years, waiting and desperate for a touch from the master. Where are you? Which one are you in the text? Are you Jairus ready to go boldly before God? Or are you in a place to where you are tired and you are ready to give up, but you look good, you think you, people think you feel good, people think everything is going right, but you've been bleeding, bleeding, bleeding for years. This is your moment to sneak a touch. This is your moment to reach out because just as Jesus healed Jairus's daughter, just as Jesus healed this woman, he stands ready to heal and restore you. I've said it before, I got it from another pastor, I don't take credit for it, Jesus heals in three ways, immediately, eventually, or eternally. Immediately, eventually, or eternally, whatever it is, if it's been bothering you for 12 years, it may take a little bit more of some eventually, or it may be immediately, but God will heal. God can create a miracle. Now, I know some of you are saying, oh, here he go. I thought he was a little bit more liberal than that. He preaching about miracles and healing and all this. Stuff. Let me tell you something in the context. I love this study called The Course in Miracles. And the way they define a miracle in The Course in Miracles, in The Course of Miracles, is a shift in your perspective. So if you are the science rational mind, I offer you this option, a shift in perspective. If you are the Pentecostal evangelical, the one that you believe that Jesus can do it right now, fix it right now, and a miracle can happen, you can have that perspective too. But I love the one that says that a miracle is a shift in your perspective. Part of the problem with us not expecting miracles from God today is because our perspective is jacked up. We don't have the right perspective. We are wondering, oh God, why, why, why are my finances the way they are? Why can't I get out of debt? Why can't I get to the next place I need to get to? And yet, you run right up in Nordstrom's and swipe that card every time. You need a shift in your perspective. You can't expect God to do a miracle if you keep doing the thing that's keeping you in the spot you're in. A shift in your perspective. God is always speaking. God is always ready to heal and to restore. But is your perspective in the right place? A miracle is a shift in your perspective. These Jewish people, earlier on in what Mona read, she said, I cry out to you from the depths, Lord, my Lord. Listen to my voice. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, God has something for you today.
no matter where your perspective is, God has something for you today. We have gotten so out of touch with truly believing that God can really do something in our lives. It's time to shift the perspective. It's time to open ourselves up to what is possible. I like what happens when God, when Jesus gets to the girl. Now, it was Jairus that went there to pray for her. It was Jairus that went there to say, my daughter needs help. But even in that, when Jesus gets there, it's not Jairus that performs the miracle. It's not all Jesus that performs the miracle. Let me shift your perspective on this. Jesus says, Talitha Kum, get up. The girl had to respond. The problem is, Jesus is saying, get up, and some of us aren't responding. The girl had to respond. Jesus can't rock the miracle by himself. The girl had to take action herself. Talitha Kong. So today, the word would be, what is Jesus asking you to do? What miracle are you expecting Jesus to wrought that you need to shift your perspective and listen to whatever God is calling you to do to be restored and to be healed? It doesn't just happen because Jesus says, oh, I got the Midas touch. No, 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 no. There requires participation on your part. You gotta be ready to get up. You've got to be ready to get out of the bed of debt. You've got to be ready to get out of the bed of sickness. You've got to get, out, get ready to get out of the bed of being partisan and separated and divided from people. Jesus is calling, saying, Talitha Kum, get up. And that is what will move us. That is what will heal us. That is what will restore us. It is not just waiting on Jesus to do it and to fix it. Oh, he'll fix it. But it requires work on our part. Yes. Psalm 30 ends by saying, because faithful love is with the Lord. It goes beyond our comprehension how much God loves us. It goes even further beyond our comprehension how much God loves our enemies. Jesus healed people who did not get along with each other just in a matter of two chapters. Who here is Jesus looking to heal today. Whom of your enemies is Jesus looking to heal? Amen.